Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Brother Raymond Lagrange, a transitional deacon who is here at St. Patrick's for the summer and who is also a Canadian. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to be speaking about how to build a culture of life after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the decision that um, allowed abortion in all 50 states in 1973. Many of us uh, have have been waiting for this, almost not even daring to hope that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. I know from my own part, I can remember going to many marches for life in Washington, D.C., uh, marching um, up Capitol Hill, going uh, past the Capitol, and then ending in front of the Supreme Court. And it always seemed to me somewhat... Um, Perfunctory? (laughs) Perfunctory, but also paradoxical that it's almost like this march stayed together, and when it gets to the Supreme Court building, that's when everyone kind of scatters. You know, everyone scatters to their buses Mm -hmm. to go get dinner at Union Station or maybe get on their bus and start the long ride home. It's almost like the Supreme Court was just this immovable marble rock (laughs) (laughs) that these pro-life waves kept breaking against and then just scattering and well, I guess we'll be back here next year. So it's so it's really a real, um, yeah. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing that that has happened. I mean, as someone who was born in 1972, you know, less than a year before the court decision was handed down on January 22nd, 1973, uh, it's very significant. Almost my whole life has been defined, has been lived under the shadow of of this court decision and other decisions that have been decided since. So what we're going to talk about today is now that. Um, this court decision has been overturned, and the um, it's back to the states themselves to to craft laws to uh, to regulate abortion or to protect human life. Um, what is a Catholic to do? How do we go about building a culture of life? Um, so, Brother Raymond, I know you've been studying a little bit about, about law in terms of what, what law is meant to be, what law is from a Catholic perspective. Maybe you could speak a little bit about the meaning of law. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's important for us to understand that there are different kinds of law. So one, for example, is there's, there's the law of God that he promulgates even in his very creation of the world mm-hmm. and the way he sets it up. Uh, we can think about how you know, the, the laws of nature participate in this. This is, just, this is the divine decree. It's immovable. And there's the natural law, which is the creature's participation in this law. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we understand, so for example, to be a good human means to live well in society, which Mm -hmm. includes uh, not stealing from others, not killing others, and not taking lives of the innocent. 
uh, which, mm-hmm. for example, abortion is completely ruled out by the natural law. Mm-hmm. Now then, on top of that, we have human laws. And this is maybe what, what we tend to think about when we, we talk about what does the law say, who, who right. writes the laws. And these are laws promulgated by authorities, like the elected government, for the betterment of our society. And sometimes these laws only specify the natural law. So, for example, according to the natural law, there should not be stealing. And if somebody does steal, we need to do something to restore justice. Mm-hmm. Now, these human laws might specify how that happens. Okay, we're going to have a court. It's going to proceed this way. It's going to determine who stole what. And the punishments are going to be such and such, whether that's prison time, whether that's a fine, mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, but the human law also sometimes falls short of the natural law. Because not everything that's bad for you necessarily has to be illegal. Mm-hmm. You can think of it, if, the, if, the, if we wanted the law to regulate everything in order to make us good people, I'm just not sure we could function as a society. You know, you might say that it's not good for kids to play video games all day. Uh, do we want the government deciding how much kids are going to play right. video games or do we right. leave that to families? You know, and, right. and maybe that's an amusing example. But I think maybe... Uh, Another example where you can see the controversy and the difficulty is, say, something that's, uh, you know, seriously wrong in itself, like abusing drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want the law to, to protect us from that. We want the law to protect people from falling into addiction. But that's not – that's easier said than done. And right. so you can go on to, to go to the route where you have a war on drugs and we're going to work very hard to, to do anything to stop drugs – Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sometimes that causes more harm than good. I know there are arguments either way, so I don't, I don't want to weigh into that. But you can see why there's a, there's a legitimate discussion there right, right. about how, mm-hmm. how hard we apply those laws. And so I think we're going to have to start thinking the same way uh, about how to legislate about abortion now that for the first time in this country, uh, the states and really, really uh, legislative, the legislative branches are allowed mm-hmm. to represent the people, are allowed to legislate against abortion Mm -hmm. and what's that going to look like how aggressive could those laws be uh do they ban abortion in every circumstance we know abortion is always wrong but what's our ability to stop it especially now that many abortions are done through medication that's could Mm -hmm. be mailed long distances in practice it would be very difficult to stop i think Mm -hmm. and so we're going to have to you know have serious discussions amongst ourselves what it means to be pro-life now that we can actually make these pro-life laws and what exactly are these laws going to look like how are they going to accomplish their goal and what exactly is our goal what exactly does it mean to have a a people as virtuous with respect to life uh what does it mean that for us all to respect life right definitely yeah and of course as we've already seen different states are going to have radically different laws Mm -hmm. you know um in some states it's abortion is banned you know, practically from the beginning of the of the unborn child's life. Other states, it's practically permissible all the way to until birth. You know, mm-hmm. so um, so there so there's going to be that that difference certainly, um, and and also and, and I know that many people in the in the pro life movement are going to be working more locally. You know, at their in their own uh, states and their own legislatures to to try to to work through all of this. Um, when the, since since you're from uh, since you're a Canadian, you have kind of an interesting perspective. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, in the United States, we've just had this kind of landmark Dobbs decision, you know, which has been a it is a watershed moment for the pro life movement. 
What is it like in Canada um, for for the pro-life movement? I, I, I think it's hard for me to, to communicate to you the, the amazement that I, I feel as, as a Canadian. Um, it's almost like if you can imagine, you know, growing up as a kid where, you know, you had to work all day, you know, scrubbing the floor and you never got candy. And then the next kid over, you know, he has a servant to do all his work and he has all the candy he wants. And you mm-hmm. think, how can you have just everything? And mm-hmm. this is almost, I mean, in Canada, we got, we got so used to for so long that there's just not, there's, there are strong pro-life groups. There's pro-life representation, but it's just not on the horizon for anybody that, you know, one day the Supreme Court, whatever. The Supreme uh, Court of Canada. The Supreme Court of Canada, whatever, be on our side or be helpful to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so to see to see that you know a major world leading developed nation like the United States has, has really reversed course on this and says you know no we're not going to keep you know supposedly advancing these rights. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, we're going to bring back the rights of the unborn. This this is something that's almost I I still have trouble uh, almost making sense of it, and um, it really is as you said a watershed moment. And I think in a way it it brings hope to the rest of the world. Uh, pro-life movements all over the world that, you know, if it can happen here, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest and certainly the wealthiest country in the world that it's in many ways been a leader in, in social right. movements. Um, maybe, maybe in a few decades it can happen in other places. Maybe, you know, maybe in 50 years we'll all look back and say this is where a worldwide movement started when, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways I think people in Canada, they're happy to do a lot of good pro-life work and help and support women and uh, do what they can to, to support good laws. But I think nobody really has serious hope that anytime soon uh, you could make abortion illegal. Hmm. Wow. Well, yeah, you were saying that uh, you're from Alberta and you're talking about just an example of, of a, of a mm-hmm. pro-life pregnancy center right next to an abortion clinic. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually a, a friend of mine is, is running it now. Uh, there's a, the, in Edmonton, uh, the big city around, I grew up just outside the city. But uh, that's the the main hub where uh, you'd find the, the abortion clinic that would serve mm-hmm. a large region. And so, you know, people, you know, women in, in difficult situations come there from all over. And just across the street from it, uh, there there's a, pre- a crisis pregnancy center called the Back Porch, which, you know, it's literally the, there's a porch that comes off the back of a building. And, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, all kinds of people wander through. Sometimes it's just pro-life people who, who maybe want to talk or support the organization. But uh, there are a lot of women who know that they can go there to, to find help. And also sometimes women who, you know, are on their way to the abortion clinic and they, and they see this place or even they, they accidentally walk in there and a and conversation starts and something mm-hmm. happens. That's wonderful. Yeah. To see that um, just as in this country there, you know, there's, there's a whole network of, of, of centers to help women who are in crisis pregnancies, you know, who want to have their children, you mm-hmm. know, um, that, that, that you have that in, in, in Canada as well. You're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio today by Reverend Brother Raymond Lagrange, a transitional deacon, um, a Dominican who's from Canada. And we're talking today about how Catholics can help build a culture of life um, in a post-Roe versus Wade um, America. And we spoke a bit about law, the meaning of law, how, um, how there's a difference between 
divine law, natural law, and then human law. You know, when we think of law in traditional ordinary conversation, we usually mean human law, legislation, mm-hmm. le- legislat- legislation that's passed by elected officials. But um, but that uh, but that's something that's going to have to be um, worked out in different states. But because it's going to be different, uh, uh, there are at least some states in which many women who might have otherwise chosen uh, abortion are now uh, – and one way or another, are going to be carrying their, their children to birth. And so it's going to be very important, more important than ever, as Catholics, especially to help those women who are in that situation, especially, you know, if women who, even if, if abortion is available in another state, they're not going to be able to travel that far, aren't going to want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just recently at a, at a wonderful uh, fundraiser for... Um, the Women's Care Center, a wonderful uh, organization here in Columbus, um, who have helped many, 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 many women and children and, and some fathers, you know, not only to, to see um, the goodness of life on the ultrasound monitor, but also to give them parenting classes and to help hmm. them, uh, you know, provide things that they need um, to give their children a, a great start. Um, amazing uh, amazing work that is being done, but it's, it's going to become, I think, even more important. And for me, that's one way that in building a true culture of life, I've, I had often thought even in the March for life that even if we could overturn Roe versus Wade, it's not going to instantly make everyone in the United States think, Oh, well, I guess abortion is a bad mm-hmm. idea. <laughs> in yeah. fact, quite the opposite is happening <laughs> in yeah. many quarters, you know, but, uh, but, but I think of, of, uh, of each person, that comes to a crisis pregnancy center um, or, or finds help, finds support in giving their child life, uh, just one person at a time, that, that makes a difference. And I think in terms of a culture of life, you know, to build really a culture of life, it has to happen one person at a time. You know, I think, uh, I mean, when you look at how Christ, how Christ you, know, uh, you know, worked in the gospel, how he performed his ministry, it was basically... One person at a time. <laughs> he healed one person at a time. He cast out one demon from someone at a time. You know, he, he, you know, he, uh, he would he would preach to groups of people, but you know, but for the most part, the people that became his disciples just followed him. They walked with him. They, 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 they saw what he did. They saw the consistency of his life. They saw that there was a real truth and goodness. Um, um, to the path that, that that he showed them by his own example, and were eager to follow it. Um, so, so that I think to me that that's one key aspect of of building a culture of life. Um, do, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, Mother I think Raymond? I think you, you you've really hit it right on that. Uh, I mentioned earlier the reason we have laws in the first place is to is to to build virtue to mm-hmm. to guide people toward better living. Um, it's not necessarily that the law is going to fix everything. Right. And so having pro-life laws is just um, – it's one more help mm-hmm. for us to build a right. culture of life, which you know we're already doing through crisis pregnancy centers. We're mm-hmm. already doing by bringing the life of – or the love of Christ out to the margins. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we need to keep doing this. And in fact, I think we, we really need to work especially hard now that there are going to be a lot of babies born who wouldn't be otherwise um, – mm-hmm in difficult circumstances and somebody's got to foot the bill. Somebody's got to do the work to help those mothers. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the crisis pregnancy center, even doing parenting classes, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, women who might feel like 
they'd like their baby, but just not sure they can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we all need to, we need to do all of these things along with, uh, now having, having laws that back us up and support it. But I think, yeah, really the, the law was always pointing toward that, that personal element of, of converting hearts, of making us all pro-life from within. Right. Yeah. And I, there's a, uh, United States bishops, uh, conference has, has recently instituted something called, um, if I've got the name correctly, walking with moms in need. Uh, and that's designed to encourage parishes on a parish level to sort of network with each other, to network with other local parishes and network with their diocese on ways to, to help, um, you know, women who, who do need help, um, in their pregnancy and who need help parenting and taking care of their, their children. Uh, because not, you know, no one parish is going to have everything, you know, and maybe, you know, so, so it's, and, and, and uh, a woman who has, who has a need might not come to the parish that has all the resources. So it makes sense to try to really cooperate, even just to communicate what's available. Mm-hmm. Like at St. Patrick's at, 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 our, at, at my parish, um, one of our preachers had an idea of starting a, something called little flower showers based on little flower, meaning St. Therese of Lisieux, you know, and, uh, who's a, you know, uh, a wonderful saint. Um, and so these are basically just baby showers we hold for, for women who do have crisis pregnancy centers. And it's just, it's just like any other baby shower. We accept it's located in the church in one of our halls and, um, they decorate it really nicely depending on what the, that particular mom likes, you know, what, what theme it is, or if they, you know, they know what, what, what's the baby's a boy or a girl. Um, and they just have a big baby shower for it. It's really, it's really wonderful to see, you know, but something that's very local, it's very personal, you know, it's just, it's just for this mom. Uh, it's, it's just for her family. And, you know, and it's, it's really, it's really great to see that. So I think, and, but of course, you know, we, we get we get ideas for these moms from from other local pregnancy pregnancy centers because because that's where the mom will often make her first contact. So, so those types of of efforts I think can be can be really good to knit, knit together sort of a network of not you know not only the crisis pregnancy centers but also parishes and ways that uh, that, that people can help. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have in your own experience growing up have you encountered other things like that or in your home parish or in your home diocese? Yeah. I, uh, one thing I I can remember concretely uh, along those lines, I, uh, uh, a woman I'd known since I was, you know, basically a baby, you know, sort of a friend of my parents all my life. She was very involved in some local pro-life groups. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one day when I was in college, she, she caught me after mass and said, uh, she had worked out some deal where, uh, there was a, a young woman who had, had a baby, uh, despite a lot of pressure from, from family and friends to have an abortion. And, you know, this woman was, was trying her best to, as a, as a single mother now mm-hmm. to, to look after a kid and stay on her feet. And she was moving uh, across town and just needed some help. Mm-hmm. And so this, uh, this woman from the pro-life organization had, had gotten connected with her and was, was going to do her best to work it out. So, you know, she found, you know, me, the young college guy, you could move furniture mm-hmm. and, uh, another man at the parish who had a truck and, you know, he went out there. She had some family who was able to help as well, but, uh, it's just a, you know, a, a woman with limited resources, right. uh, trying her best to, to, to look after a kid that she mm-hmm. had in non-ideal circumstances. And there was a, a pro-life group that was just ready to help in a very personal way that, you know, okay, you need help moving. Uh, we'll, we'll put together a team. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, and it's great that that can happen very naturally. Mm-hmm. You don't need a big system for this. You don't need to fill lots of paperwork or forms <laughs> for this. Yeah, you know, and I think, and that's another great, I think, principle of of our Catholic social teaching is the principle principle of subsidiarity. That you know, if some decision can be made, uh, or if some good can be done, it should be done on the most local, practical level that it can be done. You know, we see that. Now, there's obviously some things like national defense that you can't quite do on a family level. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that has to be like a wider thing. You know, um, but you know, or diplomatic relations with other countries. That's better to do on mm-hmm. the federal level. You know, but things like you know, uh, helping people who need a hand, like that. You know, helping someone move move across town. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much more natural. It works much better. It's much more, in fact, much more efficient. You know, if it just happens in a person-to-person level. So I think, and mm-hmm. I think in some ways, in my, in my experience, the way the pro-life movement has grown, it's been more on that grassroots level. I mean, certainly it's grown, um, you know, through communication and through, um, through media to some extent. But if you look at most of the mainstream media, they're not exactly you mm-hmm. know, pro-life. So I think the pro-life movement tends to grow, which is maybe somehow appropriate and, and, and better. It grows on a very local kind of grassroots level, um, you know, one group helping another person, one crisis pregnancy center, you know, getting volunteers to help a woman who comes in, um, or one kid, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. helping a mom moves her stuff across town with another guy who has a truck, you know, so, so those, those types of things. And I think those person to person experiences really do a lot more to build a culture than maybe just having the best possible publicity campaign or the best people in office or the best, you know, whatever things. I, I often think that sometimes we put too much, not that politics isn't important, it is very important, you know, but I think mm-hmm. we can get so wrapped up about, you know, who has this high office and, you know, when, when as if that's the only, the only people that, that can make real change happen when I think often the most significant change happens from one person to another. We see that also, we see that again with, with Christ in the gospel. You know, Christ um, Christ became man in the womb of, of, of a very young woman from Nazareth who, who on a very personal level said yes. You know, and he mm-hmm. came into the world not in a palace, but in a very, you know, in a very uh, simple, simple dwelling for, for animals. And his first bed was a manger. So, so those very simple, direct, um, person-to-person ways that we can help build a culture of life. Um, I'll also, I also remember, it, it also occurs to me that many, many women, when I was in, in college at Franciscan University, we would go and pray at, at, at a local abortion clinic in Pittsburgh because that was the closest place mm-hmm. that had an abortion clinic. And I'll never forget one day we were praying, and there's a woman who was, was going into the clinic, and the pro-choice escorts surrounded her, and you know, we're probably telling her this is just like getting a tooth pulled or don't worry about it. It's not yeah. a big deal. And <clears throat> the people on the pro-life on the sidewalk were sidewalk councils are urging her to, to think again, change her mind. We have resources to help you. And she's there right in the middle of it all. And I never forget. She went into the first set of clinic doors, glass doors, and was and but she paused before she went into the second set of glass doors inside. And she just kind of stopped and bowed her head. It looked like she was weeping. And it occurred to me that for so many women, this isn't really abortion. Isn't really a choice. It's something mm-hmm. that happens when they don't have any choice. It's it's something that they know in their heart 
is is not right. They know that it's wrong, but somehow they just don't feel there's any other option that they have available. Um, it's always that image is always stuck with me, and and so I think it's all the more reason why we we really should you know do whatever we can to support women who have you know who find themselves in that situation and families who find themselves in that situation. Any closing thoughts you have on this? Brother yeah. Raymond? One thing I, I would say along those lines, we, um, as Catholics, I think many of us are very, very family oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of large Catholic families, um, that, that might pop into our head right away, but even a lot of, uh, Catholic ethnic communities are just strong, strong mm-hmm. family groups. And I think of, I've, I've done a, a lot of ministry with Latino Catholics and, and just many of them, it's very natural for them to to have strong relationships with family. Mm-hmm. And I think, and we live in a world that has in many ways lost that. Right. And, you know, I, a, abortion is really an issue that it has to do with uh, the, uh, the family, the relationship between mm-hmm. mother and child, mm-hmm. and hopefully the father as well. And because we're people who many of us know how family works, we know how it's important, we know the, the struggles, the ups and downs, I think we're, we're really in a position to, to help other people who have lost touch with that and, right. and need help recovering it. And, you know, women who maybe haven't had good family experiences or don't mm-hmm. know much of what it means to be family, but all of a sudden they find themselves pregnant with a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to need somebody just to teach them what it means to be a mother. Right. And I think as as Catholics, we're, we've got a lot of very strong communities that can help to do that. Right. Yes. So let's, let's continue to pray for, for our culture of life not only in the United States, but in Canada and throughout the world, to pray that um, that that um, what seems sometimes impossible um, might actually become possible and might actually become real uh, in other countries as well. We can pray for and work for for good laws that you know that help defend life, and perhaps especially we can build a culture of life one person at a time by restoring. Um, uh, those who who feel they have no choice, who have no family support, to let them know that there is a wider family um, that that can help them, that can help bring about a culture of life and bring about um, the life of each child, uh, one child at a time. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I've been joined in the studio by Brother Raymond Lagrange. Let's end with prayer invoking the intercession of our Holy Father, St. Dominic. O light Light of of the the church, church, teacher of truth, truth, rose rose of patience, patience, ivory of chastity, chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with with the blessed. blessed. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions.